0: Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Modex. Coronavirus is not welcome here. We're going to try our best to avoid it. Thank y'all for being the diehards and coming to see why millennials ruin everything. Did many of you think that a millennial would be talking about why millennials are so bad when you read the the blip or the presentation? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Well, let's get started. My name is Michael Rowe, I'm an Account Executive at DMWNH, we're a Turnkey Material Handling Integrator. To start, show of hands, how many of you know a millennial, or met one? Good, off to a good start. So what are some of the ways that people describe everybody's favorite generation? I'll give you a few hints to start. We are the easy to work with, no whining generation. Right? Maybe not, okay, let's try again. How about the greatest generation? Even though we still live at home with our parents till we're about 40-ish. Okay, maybe not. The avocado toast generation? The special generation? What are some adjectives? and this is going to require participation, that you would use to describe a millennial, or that maybe somebody else has used to describe a millennial. Anybody, just yell it. Privileged. Yes. Entitled. Yes, we are. Yes. How about lazy? Special? We've been told our whole lives how special we are. Yes. All of these things have been said about my generation, and I can't totally disagree with you. And even though this does hurt my feelings a little bit, which are all so very important, it is clear we're the worst generation. And other generations, and I'm looking at you, have made it very clear that you do not approve of our methods. And why? Well, it's because millennials changed everything, right? We changed it all. We've changed the home ownership industry. Why in the world would you expect me to buy my own house when I can just live at home with mom and dad? We've changed the work environment as well. How dare you expect me to come into work every day? In your office? I'm gonna work from home, thank you very much. We've even changed sports. The lines are now blurred between who really wins and loses Because even if you did finish before me, I maybe finished, I deserve a trophy too. We've also changed one other thing. Retail (laughs) and your distribution center. How about that for a segue? Yes, that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Millennials do indeed ruin everything. We've changed retail because of the way that we shop. We value culture. We value experience. We value value. And what this does is it really causes a thorn and a pain in your neck to accommodate all the things that we demand. And yes, as bad as millennials are when it comes to retail and shopping preferences, although this may seem new, it may not be so new. I think other generations maybe made a few changes of their own back in the day. Every generation, if you look at it historically, has changed their shopping preferences. So if you look at the 1900s, when commerce really started expanding beyond the farm into more smaller uh, compact cities, you would have a general store and a few other specialty stores that you could go to. But then the baby boomers came along. And in the 60s and 70s, companies like Walmart said, well, maybe we're just going to expand our footprint into several markets. Baby boomers were trained that I can go to a store and get anything I want and I can leave with it from the store, too. It was all centralized. But then e came around in the 90s. Companies like Amazon said, well, why don't you just not come to a store because we don't have any. Isn't it more convenient for you to shop from home? Isn't it more convenient for you to comparison shop as well? Gen X said, I like that. And then millennials came around. Man, we changed everything up, right? Well, let me talk about how. Each generation has a preferred way to shop, and each generation has changed retail. With each generation comes faster response times to customer preferences. Traditional retail used to be an if you build it, they will come type of model. We had a physical store. Does anybody remember going to a mall on the weekend? Does anybody still go to a mall? I don't even know where ours is. Well, that's not true. We have the American dream. Believe it or not, I live right outside of New York. It's different. Um, And we built this big mall, and and they're betting that people, particularly millennials, are going to actually go there. Interesting. Uh, Physical stores, of course, there was no online presence. And Walmart and those type of companies had a very simple distribution solution for it. Let's just throw a ton of labor at this thing. Very little to no automation, and they're just gonna fulfill the stores. Pretty straightforward. It is uh, a traditional distribution model, we'll say. But then, with Walmart, they had what they call a low and slow growth pattern. So Walmart started in 62, Sam Walton started in Arkansas, and then five years later, they were growing like crazy for that time. They had about 24 stores, about 12.7 in sales, so roughly half a million in sales per store. Five years after that, they go public, and they only had 78 million in sales. It wasn't until the 80s that they opened the first Supercenter, true one-stop shopping, and they hit a billion dollars in revenue. So if you look at this timeline, it, comparatively speaking to today and some of those other businesses that have come around lately, and we'll talk about that in a minute, It took 20 years to hit that $1 billion mark, thus making it pretty simple for your distribution practices. Again, there wasn't a lot of automation. There was a lot of labor. But then e-com came around. Amazon said, all right, well, look, we're just going to be online. We don't really have to worry about fulfilling the stores. In fact, we're going to shut those stores down and we're never going to build them again, especially bookstores. It's a little bit of a wink to what's coming later. We don't have a physical footprint. I want you to ship it to me and ship it to me fast. This is Generation X. This created a retail apocalypse. Stores are closing left and right, and today we're still reading about all these stores are closing, but are they really? Maybe some bigger stores are closing, but there's a flip side of this, and it's all because of the millennials. Ship it to me now, ship it to me fast. This is the quick growth model with a more complex distribution solution. So we didn't have any stores. We still had a lot of labor, but we started to introduce some automation. For the time, it was very difficult to do, but if you did adapt, you grew quickly. So we've talked a little about Amazon. It was founded in 94, and they were the fastest company to reach 100 billion in sales. That's very difficult to keep up with when it comes to distribution. So what did Amazon do? Since they were a fairly new company, they built distribution centers everywhere, and they're still doing that but now they're starting to embrace automation. We can talk about that too. Jet.com, is anybody familiar with Jet? I used to shop Jet all the time because they would have these kickback programs. They would also say, well listen, if you order more than one thing from a certain distribution center, your total cost goes down and they would have a counter on there and they still do this. You would save 50% by ordering from the same distribution center. Well, they were founded in 14 and Walmart acquired them in 16 for three billion. Remember, Walmart took 20 years to get to one billion, yeah, I know inflation, economies of scale that, that's all one thing. I don't care who you are. In two years, going from zero to three billion is pretty impressive. Dollar Shave Club is the same thing, founded in 2011 and sold in 16 for a billion. And then there's the real real. Is anybody uh, familiar with the real real? Show of hands. It's pretty awesome, right? I'm going to tell you all about it. Online luxury consignment, millennials have created an entirely different sector that never existed. That wasn't me. Did y'all hear that? Okay, we'll keep going. Founded in 2011, and then went public, and now they're well over a billion dollar company. So the distribution practices have changed because you have to adapt to your customer base. If you understand what your customer wants, you understand your distribution and how that's supposed to work. So let's recap. Traditionally, baby boomers still like going to stores. 84% of boomers said they would say, 67, if, if I had a chance, I'm gonna go into a traditional store still. Generation X is now saying, I, I'd still rather comparison shop. I care more about value. So I want you to bring it to me. So what about millennials? What have we done differently? Well, in true millennial form, we say, we don't really want to go to the stores, we don't want it online, we want both. We want it all. And you have to be able to offer this to me for a really inexpensive price. This is very difficult for your, for your distribution center practices. How should you adapt? And why should you care, more importantly? Well, it's because of the dollars. This year alone, we're gonna account for about 30% of all retail sales. You can't really ignore us because we have the numbers. So if we wanted to shop in store, you'd build stores. If you wanted everything online, like millennials, you'd build it online. We want everything. So what do millennials value? Well, we value an experience. We've been told our whole lives how special we are. And we expect you to tell us that as well. Instead of building a huge footprint store like your traditional Macy's, maybe you build something a little bit more compact. Maybe I walk into what's called a guide shop. Is anybody familiar with Bonobos? Bonobos, men's clothing, okay, their whole slogan was better fitting pants. Typically, you would get online, and it's very difficult sometimes to buy apparel online, but they did a very good job of saying, well, you can do both. Why don't you order it online? We're gonna ship it to you in two days, no less, no more. It'll be there in two days. Try it on and if you don't like it, send it back and that's free too. But what if you wanna to touch it? What if you wanna feel it? What if you wanna feel the experience like millennials do? You can walk into one of their guide shops. A guide shop is a small specialty store and this is really gonna throw boomers for a loop if you'd have told them how this works 20 years ago today. When you walk into a Bonobos guide shop, you feel something, you can touch it, you got somebody telling you, oh, you look great. Again, millennials want to feel special. And then you can actually buy it in store, but the kicker is you can't walk out with the merchandise that you just bought. They'll say, great, this looks good, put that back on the rack, because the store itself is about as big as this area right here, and it will have it to you in two days. Can you imagine telling a baby boomer that? Come to the store, drive all the way in, do everything you gotta do, buy it, but you can't have it, you gotta wait. Pretty interesting model. We want options, we want you to be generous, we want you to feel like you're doing something because we've done something for you. Save the environment, I want you to recycle. I don't want you to use poly bags, are you crazy? You know how many turtles that kills every year? A lot, so we say. We value sweet little touches. There's a company called RealReal Real that we talked about a minute ago. And this is where it really starts to impact your distribution operations. Typically in our industry, we say, we want you to streamline everything from start to finish. I want you to be able to ship to store. I want you to be able to ship direct to consumer. And I want you to be able to ship anywhere else it may go, too. So we get in there and we engineer it. And one thing that we did for RealReal Real is we said, you know, the end of line process where you put that special tissue paper in and you have all those little handwritten notes that you do, it really slows the process down. It creates a bottleneck. And they looked at us like we were crazy and we were because that's what makes their business unique. And they said, we're not gonna let go of that. That's what drives loyalty. Millennials wanna feel something. And RealReal Real does a very good job of that. There's a hybrid approach model you say, okay, if I'm gonna offer all these options, it's a little bit more than true omni-channel, I gotta have some labor, but then I also need to invest in automation. But with this quick growth type of model, what if I'm growing really, really fast? Like, within two years, I'm reaching a billion dollars. How does your distribution model supposed to adapt? Well, you gotta have an omni-channel approach. Typical millennials. And we say, hey, listen, I want to be able to access everything. And they ran a poll and they said, if you could go to a store or if you could buy online, what would you prefer to do? Now, in most businesses, it's going to sway one way or another. Traditionally, Gen X says, overwhelmingly, we want to buy online. So you can can tailor your distribution network to accommodate. Same thing with baby boomers. I want to shop in store and you can tailor that. Millennials split right down the middle. Half of us wanna buy it online and half of us wanna buy it in store. It makes things kinda of difficult. Classic millennial move. So what happens for the other half that says, I want you to ship it to me? You gotta be able to do that too. And it better be free and it better be fast and you gotta get it to me in two days. I want y'all to take a look at something. When you see this box, this is exactly what millennials like. This isn't just your run-of-the-mill cardboard box with the items that you ordered in it. It's got the tissue paper. It's got the note in there that says, we really appreciate you, you're special. And on the top of it, you can see it's got their story. It makes you feel like you're a part of something. This really slows down a lot of distribution practices. But this is what they had to keep to make their business unique. This also led way to another type of model, the subscription model. How many people have a subscription to anything in here, monthly, weekly? How many of y'all have used Netflix before, right? Everybody. How great is it, and maybe a little scary too, that Netflix goes, you know what you should be watching? This. And you go, you're absolutely right. I should be doing that. Well, apparel and retail is no different. They go, you know what you should be wearing? This. And I know, because I talked to you on the phone, I know what you like, what you don't like. We've done some trial and error. I know your size, I know your preferences. I know what season it is, and I know what you're gonna be feeling. They'll look at traditional weather forecasts over the past however many years to say, it's that time of year where you wear a sweater in the morning and in the afternoon you're burning up. So what we're gonna do is light layer, it's creepy. But this is what millennials want, wreaks havoc on distribution operations. On top of that, We want everything really cheap. So we have started new models of subscription services, but you've got to give back to the environment. We've started the re-commerce trend. Second hand is now first class. And that's because we don't really care about status symbols like we used to. It used to be a time when the Rolex on your wrist or the car that you drove gave a little bit more definition to who you are. that's still a little bit true, but millennials don't care. We care about experiences, which is why in your distribution center, you have to do those extra touches. A little bit more vast. They say, hey look, I care more about what my friends see on Instagram and where I am than I do what's on my wrist. This is a lot different than this older generation. I mean, take a look at this picture. So I'm guessing that they're in China. So that's unique and you know, we're, we're special. This guy right here is just wearing an undershirt. I don't think that your grandfather, mother, whoever would be caught dead just wearing that. I'd be willing to bet you anything that's a recycled backpack. Bet you anything it is. This is what we care about. And by the way, we're not the only ones that are noticing. Because retail's changing, you get these big VC firms coming in saying, you know what, these companies, this re-commerce trend, it's actually starting to make sense so we talked about Real Real. I'll tell you a little bit more about them. They do luxury online consignment. And what that means is if you have a higher-end product, and that could be jewelry, that could be a, a dress or um, a handbag by a designer like Chanel or Dolce or Louis Vuitton, whoever it is, they say, if this is in good condition and you're done with it, send it to us at the Real Real. We're going to authenticate it. So a huge, heavy, complex front-end process, which we don't like in distribution. And then we're gonna sell it for a fraction of the price to somebody else who wants it. We give you a few dollars, they save a bunch, and then we get a cut too. It's totally changed, they went public and they're doing well. Rent the Runway, has anybody used Rent the Runway before? Yeah, I bet you have. That's typical millennial, it's like, I don't wanna buy it, I don't wanna own it, I don't wanna have commitment, why don't I just rent it? Their whole model now is, why don't you just rent your closet? And you go, okay, maybe I do care about status also, So maybe I do care about that high-end coat or dress that I typically wouldn't buy, but now I can rent it. I can pay you a certain amount every month, and you'll send it to me as much as I want? Well, now I'm a big deal. And it better be less expensive, which it totally is. Has anybody heard of Castle? This is good because they're an up-and-comer. I love these guys. Castle does something that's pretty important here, and this is where we start to maybe understand that millennials aren't all that bad. Hold on, I'll get to it. Not that bad. Castle's a pretty cool company. What they do is they partner up with traditional retailers. So look at some of those that we were talking about earlier that may be closing stores. or well, are they closing stores and not selling as much? And they have a ton of inventory that just sits in their distribution centers and just sits in their stores. So Castle said, well, how about this? Well, why don't you give me some of the stuff that you're not selling? And we're going to have all these SKUs and we'll house them for you essentially act as your 3PLs. Somebody can then go on your site, say Bloomingdale's for example, they can order it from the Bloomingdale's site and then it can come to me and I can rent it. In other words, we'll handle all the dry cleaning and all the processing and all the front end and the warehousing and you, a traditional retailer, can get in on this new trend. They're a 3PL for traditional retailers in a specialty market and it's all driven by millennials. They're taking off. You might want to guess how much money is behind these companies. So the real, real—I told you—went public. Guess how much they raised in VC before they went public? Just guess. Y'all gonna have to do better than this. Guess the number, somebody. Two hundred million? Pretty dang close. Two hundred and eighty-eight. up was about three hundred million, and they're still going. Uh, Rent the Runway, three hundred and thirty-seven million in VC. And then uh, you've got Castle, who's relatively new, and they're already at 100 million. The kicker here is that millennial preferences has forced traditional and modern retail to join forces in order to accommodate their needs. There's a growing trend here. So everybody's saying, I want to get in on this resale and re-commerce trend. Patagonia is doing it. Up partners with those traditional retailers like Macy's, and they're saying, hey, why don't you give us a little bit of space inside of your distribution center, and we can take care of the rest for you. It drives foot traffic, and that's good for Macy's because they're saying, well, I can still do things the way I want, and I can also offer this service as well. The fashion industry is bad, according to millennials. It pollutes, it's bad for the environment, so on and so forth, so if we reuse and reduce, then we can save the world. I don't know. New, demand, new demands cause new fulfillment challenges. Remember, we're needy. We want what we want when we want. Both. So the question was, is re-commerce physical presence or online? It's both. Of course that's what millennials want. I want to be able to do everything. I want to order online and pick it up in store. Maybe I order online, you ship it to me. Maybe I order in store, you ship it home. This wreaks havoc on your distribution operations. You got to be able to adapt. So how do you do this with this new type of shopping experience? You got to stay close to the customer. So a lot of times when a new company comes around, say, RealReal, for example, they say, we're growing at 100% year over year. We're going to talk about that later. What do we do? We're also building stores. We're not really sure how our business works yet. You got to build multiple distribution centers. You got to have a physical store presence as well, which means I got to distribute to all of those places. On top of that, it has to be a true omni-channel operation. Remember what we said earlier. It's probably the most important bullet point on this page. Don't give up the things that make your business unique. Real, Real told us we're not gonna get rid of that end process where we're spraying perfumes if it needs to be something a little bit more feminine. We're spraying cologne for the guys. It makes you feel something and it drives you back into our now stores and online traffic. So what happens if you're growing too fast? A company like Real, Real? Well, you can share the load and you can give it to a 3PL. You can do it all yourself and just bootstrap it, or you can do what a lot of them do, which is a hybrid approach. I'm gonna do some self-fulfillment, but I'm also gonna have a 3PL to help as well. And then eventually, once my business becomes a little bit more structured and I can time it better, I can understand, well, maybe I'll bring it all myself. Good example of this real-real, as we said a minute ago, their growth when they first started year over year was 100%. Um, it was VC-backed. You had to be sustainable. And we had a very complex inbound process. And they came to us and said, fix it. How are you going to do this? And we said, OK, no problem. We, we know apparel. We've done this before. And once we dug in, remember, the real real takes stuff from the end user. They authenticate it on the front end. And then they say, all right, let's put it in storage and get it out. The unique thing about this business is every single SKU and every single vendor, everything they do is 100% unique. There's not one pair of shoes, there's not one dress, there's not one handbag in there that is exactly the same. You could have two Louis Vuitton purses, identical year, it came out of the factory the exact same day, but they're gonna be in different condition. So that requires different storage methods. So what did we do for them? Well, we learned that most of their business was apparel. It was definitely growing in that area as well. Yes, they do a lot of accessories as well, but those were easier. So for apparel, we created a very simple GOH solution for them. We're talking trolleys. And they wanted to automate. Everybody keeps saying, I want the latest and the greatest. But maybe it's not always about having the latest and greatest. Maybe it's about doing something that is proven, something that is tried and true, And what we ended up doing is blending a lot of traditional technology with some of the new stuff. It wasn't so expensive to where they had to say, well, we don't want to do this. If they wanted to tear it out, they could. If the business changed, it could. They dropped a bomb on us in the middle of our design. They said, look, we do a lot of apparel, and you know that. We're doing a lot of accessories, handbags, jewelry. It's all growing. But we think we're going to change it up. We're starting to build more stores, and on top of that, we're gonna get into a new industry. Anybody wanna guess what that industry was? Furniture. And we were like, how are we gonna do this? Furniture is notoriously difficult to handle. What are you supposed to do? So the business was changing in real time when we were going through all of this. So we decided instead of heavily automating and going crazy with the latest and greatest, let's be simple. Let's blend the old and then we'll bring in the new one day. We went through proven technology and an unproven market. We had to rethink how we use that traditional technology in a non-traditional market and environment. Many companies want the latest and greatest. They want everything that's new, but that's not always what is best. Maybe we should combine some of the old with the new. Kind of like retail. And this is where we come full circle. Millennials want a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new your distribution center has to react the same way. We use proven technology like GOH. One of our apparel companies said, you know what would be great is, what if we took our state-of-the-art WM, which they developed in-house, and apply some traditional technologies like GOH and carousels, which would be in the top left-hand corner. We said, it's like a dry cleaner, why should you do that? But after we learned how the business worked a little bit more and we said, well, let's do that, but then let's route everything in sequence to the pack stations at the end. So the packer then just has to take a look at everything. They don't even have to scan half the time and they just put it in the box and away it goes. It's all to end user. But then sometimes they have to ship this stuff to store as well. It's a flexible enough solution where we can change, we can reroute if we need to, but then there are some technologies that are concrete in the ground. Another good example of this is REI. Anybody ever shopped at REI before? So REI is kind of catching on to this trend of customer loyalty. REI is a great policy. If there's ever anything that you ever bought from them at any point in time, you can send it back and get a full refund. And they've got a wall of fame actually that shows some of the stuff that people have sent back, like a pair of slippers that's just, just lint because they've worn it so much. They said, this doesn't do what I want it to do. So REI came to us and said, hey, listen, we want to challenge you to do something new. Out of their fulfillment centers, they're going to do e-comm, and they're going to do wholesale, do some retail as well. And so what we did is we challenged ourselves. When we went overseas and brought over the first pocket sorter and installed it here in the United States. REI is now the first and only net zero lead platinum distribution center in the world, and it has the very first pocket sorter in the United States. Anybody know what a pocket sorter is? Four or five years ago, it's like the latest and greatest technology. But then on top of that, even when we did shuttles and uh, goods to person, we put in a very traditional technology, which was a small tilt tray sorter at their shipping process. So here you have probably the most sophisticated distribution center in the world combining the old with the new. We blended the traditional and new tech to create a new approach to fulfillment. So how do you accommodate for this generation? You gotta know and live by your projections. You gotta space it out. You don't always have to do everything at once. What if we do a little bit at a time? Because if your business is changing, it's a lot easier to pivot rather than just do it all on day one and you're stuck with it for 20 years. It's gotta be flexible enough. You can't just have one piece of technology in there. It all has to work together. You gotta make sure you understand the customer mindset. When you find an integrator or a partner that do this, your DC operations are gonna thrive. Millennials maybe aren't changing much of anything. Maybe they just took a little bit of the old, like a standard tilt tray sorter, and combined it with some of the brand new, like a pocket sorter as well. It's really the best of both worlds. Maybe it's time to think about your distribution operations in the same vein. Maybe it's not always about the next best thing. Maybe you just need to blend the two. So in conclusion, are millennials really all that bad? Have we really changed a lot? I don't know. Maybe a little bit more of a headache, but if you blend what's proven and you combine it with some of the new, you're gonna be okay. That about wraps it up, but Don't even get me started on Gen Z. I don't even know what to make out of it. I feel like one of you guys now because I'm saying they're messing everything up and they are. So in addition to everything that we talked about today, just to give you a little hint, do you know what else that this generation wants you to do? They want you to tell them a story. They want you to tell them a story when you buy something from them. You're special. You're great. Now let's talk about how you're impacting the world as well. I don't know how distribution is going to pivot to meet this, but... I think we're up for it. If you guys have any questions, I'm a little early. Why don't you just come on up and ask me. I'll stay here for as long as you'd like. And uh, thanks for coming. Appreciate it.